0: Welcome to this special Matzah Shabbos edition of 30 Letters in 30 Days And today is a very special day on the calendar in connection to the genesis of Igrus Kodesh the set of Svarim, of books that we're studying from now I think in earlier classes the first class and the second class I shared some of the the background of what was happening in Tafshin Memzai in 1987 when the Rebbe initially informed those in the Secretariat and in the library that this project would begin in earnest and with the Rebbe's constant supervision and urging that it should happen expediently. I want to add some details today and that is because today what we call tess Zayin Ador, the 16th day of the Hebrew month of Ador, which is the day after Shushan Purim, was the very day, this day, this date, 35 years ago, in 1987, when the Rebbe turned to Rabbi Shalomber Levin from the library and said, we're starting a new project, and gave Rabbi Levin a bundle of facsimiles of, meaning the office copies of letters of Igris Kodesh or the letters that would become the series known as Igris Kodesh. And the Rebbe included a note with various details saying that we should go through these letters, we should review them for publication purposes, that we should review them for privacy issues, which I mentioned uh, in a previous lesson that that was something that was involving Rabbi, Rabbi Simpson from the Secretariat to screen all the letters protect the privacy of those to whom the letters were written and one very important point that I've added that this should all be done urgently swiftly as soon as possible and uh, think about the timeline we're talking about we're talking about the 16th day of Adar, the, the day after Shushan Purim the first printed actual physically printed book a volume one of Yerush were delivered to the Rebbe's desk on the day before his birthday birthday, Nissen. So basically you're talking about uh, 24 days, if I'm doing my math correctly. Just a little bit over three weeks, the entire project went from inception, or at least from th- anyone other than the Rebbe knowing the plans, the inception of the project to actually delivering a published physical volume in three weeks. Absolutely amazing. And that was all because the Rebbe was urging the entire time that this is very important and has to be done swiftly, and the entire project was done like that, every volume, volume after volume, was pushed out as quickly as possible. I should also mention that the sponsor of the very first volume, of the first printing of the Igres, was a chassid and Asken Reb Mendel Shemtov. Now, Reb Mendel Shemtov, well, it's, it's interesting because this, let me just, a little personal background, I... I'm doing the 30 letters in 30 days as a, as a series every single night because some people were telling me, well, you know, back when the corona lockdown started, you did every single night a Sharabitokhin class, which I did, that's true, and we went through the whole Sharabitokhin Baruch Hashem until we finished. So they said, why can't you do the Rebbe's letters every night? I should mention that the Sharabitokhin class also is connected to Mendel Shemtov because my entire impetus for doing the Sharabitokhin class was a letter that the Rebbe wrote to Mendel Shemtov telling him that he should learn Shara Betochen, from Rabbi B'chayez Chavis and that that would uh, increase his Betochen. He shouldn't just learn it uh, one time, he should learn it several times. So the entire impetus for Shara Betochen is from Mendel Shem But I should mention <laughs> that Mendel Shem was the sponsor of the first printing of the first volume of the Igris. He heard that such a project was happening, and he immediately sent in his check to the Secretariat and said, I get dibs, and at first it wasn't clear that he was going to get dibs, but then things worked out. Baruch Hashem, that he did <laughs> become the sponsor. And uh, I want to mention that this booklet you see here <laughs> has a sponsor as well. If you look on the inside back cover, Leili Nishmas, Reb Menachem Mendel. I should say, Rav Hatomim, Reb Menachem Mendel, Olav Shalom, Ben Rav Achoser, Rav Hatomim, Shadar, Reb Ben Tzviim, Olav Shalom, Shemtiv. So. Mendel Shemtov's kids, his family, they sponsored this booklet, I guess, continuing <laughs> in his good path. So a little bit of Hashgach Pratis there, and I hope that this enriches your learning of these letters and uh, shows you some of the color, some of the background, and makes it more relevant to you. Okay, without further ado, let's jump into tonight's letter. Letter number seven. Wow. We're finishing a full week of learning. We started last week on Sunday night, and now we're coming to Motzah Shabbos, so we're completing a full week's cycle of learning. Tonight's letter, letter seven, is from Yud Alef Mar Cheshvin Tovshin Tesvav. That's the 11th day of Cheshvin, Brooklyn. Havosik Vechosid. Vosik Vechosid is a, an honorific title bestowed to somebody who's doing good stuff and who's uh, getting stuff done. Ish yirei alakim, the God-fearing, nichbod, the naleh, the honorable, the exalted, the communal servant, the one who's involved in communal affairs, mareinu harav, mordechai shiyichya. Who is Mordechai? Baruch <laughs> Mordechai from Purim, yesterday was Shushan Purim. Yes, um, that's the first Mordechai. But this Mordechai Is Reb Mordechai Rich Oliver Shalom From Melbourne, Australia Now, I never met Mordechai Rich But what I did is uh, In anticipation of this letter I spoke with Reb Mendel New Of Melbourne, Australia May he be well And he was there at the time He was a very close friend Of Mr. Rich And he was all he was part of all of the. Uh, the Rebbe is going to be speaking to Mr. Rich about the uh, goings on at uh, the Moisad, known as Yeshiva College, the uh, Moisad Chinuch, the educational institute that was founded by Lubavitch in Melbourne. And uh, Mr. New was very, very involved in this from the very beginning, from its inception. And he was right there alongside with uh, Mr. Rich. And I was able to get some incredible information from Mr. New. Salange, Yorin good health with much nachas from all of his family. Um, Here's what I found out. First of all, very interesting personal connection. Mr. Rich's Shidduch was made by Mr. New's parents. What's the story about that? Mr. Rich, Mordechai Rich, came from Europe after the war. He was a survivor, as were most of the Jews in Melbourne at that time. And uh, at first he went to South Africa. And from South Africa, he came to Australia, and he settled in Melbourne. And he was single. And uh, the news, Mendel News' parents said to uh, Mr. Rich, how would you like to meet a nice Jewish girl? He said, tell me about her. So they said, her parents run a fruit store in a non-Jewish neighborhood, and so they're open on Shabbos. But they have a daughter, and the girl, this daughter, she won't work on Shabbos. She's very from and she won't work in her parents fruit store even though it's open on shabbos and the family works in the store but she won't work on shabbos so mr rich said let me meet her and in three days (laughs) they were engaged to be married so yes that's a little bit about mr rich apparently he was a big guy physically tall big guy with a golden heart a loving person who was always involved in tzedakah and kindness Um, He was not from the Lubavitcher community or from any type of Lubavitcher background. He was from a Mizrahi background, that was the movement with which he affiliated himself, and he was very involved with the Mizrahi movement all of the years in Melbourne. In fact, later I believe he was involved in a later school, also a religious Jewish school that started in Melbourne called uh, Yavne. But at this point he was involved in the starting, in the founding of the Lubavitcher school, um, I'll just tell you one quick story more about Mr. Rich that I found out from Mr. New, which is just a beautiful story. Um, Mr. Rich started a business, a factory making women's coats. And it was a rather lucrative business. And somebody wanted to buy it from him. Another Jew wanted to buy it from him. And I don't know the name of this other Jew. He mentioned, Mr. New mentioned that the, this, uh, this this this. Prospective buyer was not Shemir Shabbos. In fact, that's the whole point of the story. He was not religious and did not keep Shabbos. Also, for whatever uh, it's worth, it's interesting to note that he was a little person. He was a very, very short. He was a small person uh, physically. Um, and he was Jewish and he wasn't Shabbos observant. So this fellow, I don't know his name, wanted to buy the coat business from Mr. Rich. Mr. Rich said, I'll only sell you my business if you'll continue being Shemer Shabbos, meaning my biz- I'm Shemer Shabbos, my business is Shemir Shabbos, you're not Shemer Shabbos, but if you buy if my business, I want the business to be Shemer Shabbos. And this fellow said, okay, I'll do it. And he became, from buying the business, he became Shabbos observant. Wonderful story. At any rate, so I hope that gives you a little bit of an insight into who this Mr. Rich was, and this should all be a uh, supposed for him, his neshama should have an aliyah. Okay. Shalom Avracha, greetings and blessings. This letter is in Yiddish. Ich hab I received your letter. On datum von Schreiben. That is undated. You didn't put the date on the letter. I think I've mentioned this before. We take for granted that all letters are dated because we send each other emails and it just has a timestamp on it. And you see the email thread and you can see which, which email is a response to which. And these days, especially remember a letter going to Australia. I don't know how long it took to get there and to get back. Could be, could be weeks. I'm not sure of the time frame. But at any rate, when you have letters going back and forth and taking a long time, um, it's very helpful to indicate which date of which letter I'm responding to right now. So that's why the Rebbe mentions here, you, you didn't put a date on the letter. Un ich bin gewend zufrieden, leinen in hem, I was happy to read in your letter, azir zu energish in the yonim von Yeshiva Sohle Yesef Yitzchok Lubavitch in Melbourne that you've started to energetically take part in the work of the school called Ohale Yesef Yitzchok Lubavitch that was named in memory of the previous Rebbe whose name was Yesef Yitzchok I think I should mention a little history that Lubavitch started a cheder, a school before this, I believe in Tufshin Yud, and I believe that was founded by uh, Zalman Zarebransky and it was a very small school, I think it had three children when they started and it was just meant for Lubavitchers, and it was a Lubavitcher and then later, a few years later, meaning around the time of the writing of this letter they opened it under a new name, Oholei Yesef Yitzchok, and it was a community school, meaning it was meant for everyone, not just for Lubavitchers and this is the Mesut known as Yeshiva College, which is a K through K-12 institution till this day, and received through the years much, much, much direct guidance from the Rebbe. And uh, in fact, there are many letters in the igris to Mr. Rich. Uh, at, at, as far as I can tell, at least four more letters over the next uh, couple of years where the Rebbe was writing to Mr. Rich, and the, all of these letters involved the school in, in Melbourne. Okay, so I'm very happy that Rebbe says to hear that you're taking part in the school. And I hope that you're taking part energetically in the school, that this effort is going to bring blessings from Hashem and it's going to bring success. This is a very... Seemingly minor detail, but I just think it's important to stop for a second and reflect what the Rebbe is saying. I'm hoping that you're taking part energetically in the school, that that hishtadlus, that effort, will bring Hashem's blessings for success. See, even here, the Rebbe is spelling it out very clearly, the mechanics of success. We have to do our part, we have to put forth effort, and in fact... Energetically, and the more energetically we take part, the the more of a vessel we create. But in the end, it's not our energy, it's not our uh, it's not our efforts which produce success. It merely creates a vessel within which blessings from Hashem come down and translate into success. So I just think that's an important thing to remember about everything in life. Okay. Now that Abba speaks a little bit about, specifically about schools and education in our era I think this is fascinating Now, if it is true that in all times and in all places it, is, it was important to have a Torah center to teach Torah and to uh, transmit fear of heaven Allah has come of a come, so much more so. This was true all along. Historically, this was important. But today, in our present time, it's even more important. In in our day, and in such a place, meaning Melbourne, in such a place, and the Rebbe describes what he means by such a place, where the Jewish settlement is growing, starting to grow. So it's very important. To me, it was very um, important to note that the Rebbe is speaking here positively. It's it's a positive thing that the Jewish population of Melbourne is growing. So as the community grows, the needs are growing, and we got to keep up with those needs. So if it was always important historically to have a Torah center that was disseminating Torah learning and and, and teaching uh, fear of heaven, how much more so in our time and in such a place like Melbourne, which is growing— musmen legen of them the greatest we have to put into it the, the, the greatest effort and uh, and uh, let's call it uh, energy und ein kritz in und we have to engrave well in our mind and in our heart dem mai the saying of our sages Call a Makayem nefesh achas mi israel, anyone who saves one Jewish life, ki ilo, kiyam elam malay, it is if he saved an entire world. In other words, you're creating an institution, but the institution isn't this monolith, it's not this machine. Ultimately, what's it about? The individual. If you can save one individual, you save the world. And that's how the Rebbe is. Telling Mr. Rich to set it up. Okay, now further insights about uh, education in our era. Amo is a cheder un yeshiva for a kind, hot dos em upgaratevit, fun susain and Am Once upon a time, the, the role of the yeshiva was to rescue a child from being an ignoramus. If he wouldn't have a yeshiva to go to, he'd be an ignoramus. And the child having the benefit of going to school, so it would save him from being an ignoramus and it would make him someone who's knowledgeable of Judaism, at least rudimentary Judaism. Or oftentimes it would make children into real scholars. And that was the purpose of a school, to produce Jewish scholarship. Aber in unfortunately however in our time and now that I is going to acknowledge some of the challenges of our day dasmen trachten wegen kinder as a bliben we have to actually think about saving children that they should remain jewish meaning in previous generations the purpose of the school was to save them from being ignorant but they would still remain Jewishly observant. Even someone who was totally ignorant would remain in the fold. Most, for the most part, that's just the way life was among Jews. Today, though, the school's purpose has changed. And it's not to save him from being ignorant. It's to save him from completely, God forbid, leaving the fold and leaving Judaism. And for this purpose... We cannot rely on the environment and such. Meaning to say, it's implied here, that once upon a time, the environment itself was enough. A kid's growing up in the shtetl. Okay, so if he doesn't go to Cheder, he'll be an Amarit, he'll be ignorant. But he'll remain observant because Jewish observance is in the air. It's all around him. The Sviva, the environment itself, will be sufficient to keep him Jewishly involved, even if he doesn't know how to learn, even if he's not a scholar. The says is different today. The purpose of the school isn't to make sure that a child is a scholar. The purpose of the school is to make sure that he stays, he remains within Judaism. It's a very interesting distinction about how our time is, is different. I think it's an important thing to keep in mind today. I think sometimes schools forget what their purpose is, and they think it's to produce scholars. Well, that's nice to also produce scholars, but the Primary purpose of schools today is to keep children involved in Judaism. Okay. Norman Muzboyan Farzei Festungen. We have to build fortresses for them. Because the environment not only doesn't promote that they stay within Judaism, but the Rebbe doesn't say it explicitly, but that's the implication of building a fortress. The environment can take them away, God forbid. So we we have to build fortresses. cheder, a yeshiva, a school, the Hagibin the guarantee, that gives a guarantee, as a bleiben Yidden, that they should remain Jewish, und die Ariches in dem ist gewiss ibrich. It is certainly superfluous to elaborate further on this point, meaning it's obvious. Okay. Now we're going to change to another subject that is a response to something specifically uh, Mr. Richard asked about. In Schicht in dem Yeshiva. In response to your questions about the direction the financial committee, the committee that was set up to support and expand the Yeshiva. You want to know what should influence their actions. In other words, this is a new Organization, a new institution, and Mr. Rich is asking for guidance about the direction, the spirit, the the personality, so to speak, that the school should build for itself on an institutional level. Okay, says the Rebbe. Wenn sich das an dem Charakter und Fähigkeit von jeder betreffenden besonder. See, this is a question that doesn't have a general answer because it depends. On the character and the abilities of every member of the committee individually. Therefore, it's difficult to answer such a question. In other words, there's not a one size fits all response to this. However, a general answer that you could apply to most cases, and this is, this is something you see with the Rebbe often, where the Rebbe will say, look, a specific answer is going to be different for everyone, and I can't do that right now. But what I can do is I can give you some general ground rules. So here's a general ground rule, and I think this is fascinating. Okay, so a general answer, aber was darf, is something some, you know something general which we need. von der yeshiva a politische farb You should guard yourself. You should be vigilant not to give the school a political color, other character, or a partisan characteristic. And as I mentioned to you, Mr. Rich was very involved in the Mizrahi community and movement. He himself was very involved in Zionism, and Zionism was very strong in Melbourne at that time, to the extent where Basically, anyone who was in the public eye in the Jewish community was Zionistic to some extent. And this is clearly what the Rebbe is speaking about, that it is a political or partisan issue, and you have to make sure that it doesn't become part of the yeshiva's identity. Very interesting, and the Rebbe explains why. And I should also mention as much as you're going to see that Eb is speaking here about making sure not to allow the school to take on a Zionistic flavor, I think the Lubavitcher Eb is record as far as supporting the Jews living in Israel and the security of Israel and the military and the government and making sure that there is safety and security and prosperity for every Jew in the Holy Land is, is beyond reproach. We all know, and if you don't know, it's something to study, the Rebbe's position on a strong government and military in the land of Israel. However, that is very different than taking on what the Rebbe describes as political leanings. And I think we can extrapolate if I can humbly suggest that this doesn't just apply to Zionism, but to any political issue. It's interesting also because in the 50s, Zionism was considered more of, a, more of a left-wing issue. And now today it's more, for the most part, considered more right-wing. So you see how these political things are very, they change with the times. They're political trends. And like the word trend implies, these things are not set in stone. They're, uh, they're not toitos They're not something that's eternal. They, they're fluid. And I think that's part of what the Deb is saying here is let's try to stay above these political leanings which are going to change and fluctuate. And the Rebbe says also very specifically um, how political leanings will estrange people that you're trying to help. That's what the Rebbe says explicitly. So let's see what the Rebbe actually says and uh, I'll reserve any more of my commentary for, uh, for never. I'm going to try not to give any more my own observations for the rest of this letter. Let's just get through it because we're running short on time as well. Strong statement from the Rebbe. Learning Torah is not connected to politics and it's not connected to parties. This is not my commentary. I said I'm refraining from it, but a story. When the communists came to arrest the Friedrich Rebbe, and they came to his house to arrest him in the middle of the night, They asked his daughters, one of them, the Rebbe's wife, Rebbe Sinchaia Mushka, what party do you belong to? And if you know anything about communist Russia, especially when the KGB themselves were coming to your house with a warrant for arrest, you didn't start up with them. And they asked the question, what party do you belong to? It's pretty clear what the question was demanding. They wanted the daughters of the Fiddiqui Rebbe to say that they are members of the communist party and it's very interesting, it's recorded in the Friedrich Rebbe's uh, journal of his uh, arrest and liberation Friedrich Rebbe's daughters said that we belong to our father's party <laughs> we belong to our father's party and uh, yeah, I think that's something that every chassid sh- should at least aspire to if you ask me what party, what movement am I loyal to? I'm loyal to the Rebbe's party. Just something to consider. Okay, so the Rebbe says Torah study is not connected to politics or party. The Rebbe says, just to let you know one of the reasons why Lubavitch has been successful, why this and this is 1955, think about, in our day, the, the growth of the Lubavitcher institutions. The Rebbe says one of the reasons that the Lubavitcher Moistest, that means the Lubavitcher institutions, have been so successful is because we avoid politics parteish, I love that Yiddish word. <laughs> they've always remained, Iberpartayish, they've remained transcendent of partisanship. I think that's, wow, this was written in 1955, but in 2022, I think this is something to take to heart. Labavitch and are successful because they transcend and remain above partisanship und in dem tiefen von when you think deeply about the deepest sense of what this means as Torah is gegeben geworden in zeitig zu was given at once to all 600000 jews it's interesting we take that for granted why wasn't uh, there like some uh, breakout sessions or something like uh, this shave it would get the Torah over here, and that shave it would get the Torah over there. Or maybe even, you know, because Torah is something you learn, so we'd have, like, the advanced students getting the Torah over in one room, and the slower students getting the Torah over in another room. Yeah, why not? Why not break it up? No, everyone got the Torah at the same time. <romyle> From the greatest of the great to the smallest of the small. And they all simultaneously heard the commandments. So first of all, Torah doesn't look at partisanship or different leanings. Torah is one Torah for all Jews. That's one point. Furthermore, they all heard all of the commandments. this is a very, this is very geschmack. It's not, I'm just going to give you a little preview. It's not that those who are more inclined to social justice mitzvahs, they heard, don't uh, covet your neighbor. And those who are more into religious uh, observance and ritual, they heard uh, they, to keep Shabbos. No. Everybody, regardless of if you're more into Ben Adam Lechaveda, more into Ben Adam lamokim, whether you're into the social justice mitzvahs or you're more into the ritual observance mitzvahs, they all heard all of them. At the same time, okay. Let, let let's look inside. That they all heard the seres the Ten Commandments, at the same time. Anoicheshem aleichem, I am the Lord your God. Zocharesiemes Shabbos, remember the Sabbath day. that's the last one, the tenth one. Do, do not covet. Be'grivt dem inyant. So from this you can grasp, as Torah is for all the Torah is for all Jews, all kinds of Jews zu nor euch zu that from ani, meaning I am the Lord your God, basic belief in monotheism, it, that belief has to lead not only to Shabbos observance, but also to do not covet. In other words, the belief in God cannot just manifest itself in ritual observance like Shabbos observance, but it has to also translate into social justice mitzvahs like do not covet. And now the flip side. The flip side. Can man sich nicht aushitten von der Leußachmeid, nit es es nicht begründet auf Annechia Shemelei Kacher, und ob man leckt nicht alle ois zu ausfolgendem Zacheris Yema Shabbos? Conversely, you cannot properly commit yourself to the social justice mitzvahs like "do not covet" if you don't base that mitzvah on a belief in God and on the observance of Shabbos. You cannot have one without the other. You can't cut out the bein adam lechaveid and allow just the bein adam lemakim. But conversely, you can't cut out the bein adam lemakim and just keep the social justice mitzvahs. You have to have both. So, <laughs> the entire Torah was given to all types of Jews all at once. This tells us a couple things. First of all, it's for all Jews. Second of all, Torah has to encompass all kinds of mitzvahs that appeal to all kinds of Jews with all kinds of leanings. So, here's what the Rebbe says. Darf do nit kein in Therefore, because of this, it's very important not to mix in any side stuff. Don't mix in anything else. Anything, with, the Rebbe calls it side stuff. Sometimes, people get scared off by the side stuff. That's not even your mission. Your mission was to teach Torah and Shamayim, But you took on an extra character that really isn't part of your mission and that character is going to scare people off. Because... You know, you're going to say, well, some people like it. Yeah, some people do like it, but others don't like it. And your job isn't to be partisan and to please those who like that and then turn off those who don't like it. Your job is to stick with Torah and appeal to everyone. Now, if there are people turned off by Torah itself, okay, that's a different question. That's a different question. We should go into it another time. But we're saying, don't add anything extra that could turn off one kind of person or another kind of person because you know what you're you're risking here. You're risking that this person is going to lose out on Yiddishkeit, and can you really take responsibility for that? You turn someone away from Yiddishkeit because you wanted to give the yeshiva a certain character that's going to push away some people, and that character is not even part of your of your uh, of your mission statement. The Rebbe says it clear here. Tzidas is partei, oder politik, whether that's something that's partisan or political. man verliert durch dem die Gelegenheit, Whether it's a political thing or a partisan thing, by pushing that thing that the person's afraid of, you lose the opportunity for that person to connect themselves to Torah and mitzvahs. Was it worth it? No, says the Rebbe. Wasn't worth it. Don't do it. Okay, let's finish up here. Gewiss gedenkt ihr unser Gespräch. Certainly, you remember our conversation und ich hope als es able to zu able to und erwecken to be in to be able to Yeshiva able to Yitzchak, leid to alle able to be able to Let's turn the page. Das Maximum in dem. It is, uh, I hope that you remember our conversation, and it's unnecess- unnecessary, to continue re-questioning of you to toil in the matters of the yeshiva according to your abilities, using your fullest influence to the maximum. So why am I even mentioning it here? <laughs> this, this is a great close. So why am I even mentioning here to remind you about putting forth your energy and being involved in the, in the yeshiva? Uh, the Rebbe says, "Unor leiten may I'm only doing this in accordance with the saying of our sages, ain mizarusen elle mizurazen." You only urge on, you only push those who are who already possess alacrity. It's like a double expression. Ain mizarusen elle mizurazen." It means that if somebody isn't uh, on top of things, so you don't even bother to remind them, but someone who's on top of things already, you just give them an extra oomph. So that's what the Rebbe is saying. I'm not suspecting that you're not into it, I think you are into it, but there's a saying of our sages, people who are already into something, you give them an extra push, encourage the enthusiastic. By the way, the Rebbe said this thousands of times, if you count not just the Igris, but the Rebbe's siches, that that you encourage the enthusiastic somebody who's already into something you just keep on giving them more and more and more good energy keep feeding the flame okay in so I want to just one more time urge you on in so it should uh, become part of your activities now with blessings for success in all of the above And in also in your personal affairs, I'm giving you a bracha. I await good news. And that is tonight's letter. Thank you so much for joining us.